Hey, Sam here. Uh, just wanted to highlight that I have managed to make a bit of an error on one of the bits of trivia in 30 Days of Night. I think I mentioned that, that some kind of language was made up that was based on maybe an Eastern European language. don't know where I got that from because apparently it is a completely original language that was made, I think, made up by a, a professor um, in New Zealand who was helping them while they were filming on site over there. So, not a Anyway, enjoy the review. Welcome to Parents on Pitches podcast. I'm Damien. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every single episode is we take something from a popular streaming platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. And once we've all seen it, we come in here and we talk about it. Now, this is one of our shorter episodes. It's just Sam and myself. And we take the opportunity really to kind of talk about something the nine times out of ten we both enjoy sometimes it might be something that we both really don't enjoy uh, but today we have picked 30 days of night for our shorter episode so a quick synopsis um just again i'm just taking it from imdb after an alaskan town is plunged into darkness for a month it is attacked it is attacked excuse me by a bloodthirsty gang of vampires and this is starring josh hartnett melissa george and Danny Houston as the main bad dude. I also want to give special props and shout out to Ben Foster, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated actors that we have. He's fab in lots of things that he does. And again, he's kind of sidelined in this pretty damn quickly. So, Sam, first off, we're going to overview you because it's one of our shorter episodes. Why don't we start with first overall thoughts? Again, I... I this is another one for me that I had low expectations I don't I think I might have seen some trailers for I think I probably liked the visual style which isn't surprising to me knowing that it is based from a comic book graphic novel so um, it doesn't surprise me that um, that they've chosen obviously a director and, or, and cinematographer whoever's been involved in that creative process has taken that kind of that visual so certainly when I saw the trailers I thought yeah I'm, I'm interested I'm not a massive horror person uh, but however I do quite enjoy the more kind of I was going to say more like supernatural horror. I'm not a fan of like ghost movies. I, I'm, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I like stuff with vampires and zombies and that, those kind of things. That, that, that sort of thing I quite enjoy. Um, and, um, and so I was, I was interested to see what this was going to be about. And I guess that's probably one of the things that stands out for me straight away is I really like the approach that they've taken to vampires in this movie it feels like it in one way it's not doing anything new but in another way there's just these little small pieces like the the language that they speak the way that they they 
I don't know, they seem almost regal and feral at the same time, which I think some some movies kind of get it really wrong because they try to make them kind of this like this sort of hyper sort of sexual kind of like uh, you know, do you talk about twilight like, by any chance yeah maybe <laughs> maybe quite possibly but i would put this in the camp of like you know yeah are they doing it's it's probably impossible to do anything massively original with vampires but the this take on on vampires and Danny Houston is the, the the sort of the leader of the the pack the brood whatever you would call it uh, yeah fantastic really menacing um uh, uh, performance um yeah just very kind of chilling so that that's kind of my that was my sort of my entry point to this you know I like the look of it is it going to deliver when I actually see it and and how is it going to play with using this kind of I don't know this sort of setting these these kind of characters that we see in so many different movies I love I loved Danny Houston in this I thought he was a fantastically casted villain he brought something to the role which for all intents and purposes could have been really really overacted um and he he just nailed his his bad guy whatever he was doing it was working for me so yeah and i think having a, a menacing and compelling villain is really important especially when this they're in a town in alaska they're not doing anything or going anywhere so you literally have the survivors and you have the vampires and there's nothing else to focus on so if you've got a really weak villain you have a really weak film and so i think danny houston really helped this film along not to say that the other actors did badly not at all i thought everybody brought a really solid performance to this um it's just a, a film of this scope how small it is could very easily have gone wrong so quickly now i personally um have been for a long time now sick and tired of vampires i think the last time i saw a vampire film that i enjoyed like immensely was blade um, and that's almost cliche to say these days because everybody's like, oh, Blade's the best. Is that, yeah, but I watched Blade when I was far too young and it was freaking awesome. And no vampire film has stood up to that since then. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned that that's how I'm going to feel about zombie films in the not too distant future because they're still getting made and that's getting a little played out now. And it might, maybe it's, maybe it's fair, maybe there's a distinction that can be made. I don't know, maybe like you've got vampire movies and and, and then within that there's all these different subcategories because there's probably, I know that there are ones that I haven't watched, like things like Let the Right One In and things like that. But I'm I'm the same as you. For me, my go-to is more like vampire slash comic book slash action movie. Um, and, and yeah, Blade just stands out as kind of like the the archetype. Um, so with that, and, 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 and I think, again, this plays into it plays really well with it it takes that kind of like it's like a that concept it's quite a it's quite a low concept movie in a sense and i guess it's kind of like a low um you know fairly i'd imagine a fairly low budget movie as well but it is it's a simple concept we know that vampires can't go out in the day so what happens if there's a place where the sun's never out and let's do something with that and 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 then you've it's kind of like you've got a little playground to, to play within and i guess you can either do that really well or you can do it badly and um and just going back to characters you mentioned in sort of the, your opening about ben foster 
and I 100% agree. I think he's he is a fantastic actor. Um, I'm thinking back to I'm pretty sure he was in Six Feet Under or some some of the earlier seasons of that. Um, brilliant in Hell or High Water. And in this, what I really like about his character, and maybe he might be a bit typecast as kind of the um, sort of slightly hick redneck um, uh, uh, sort of, I'm sure he's done a few of those characters, but I think if you just had the villain, um, there'd be a bit of a sort of a distance between the the kind of the characters and what's going on. And I think his character just brings even more menace to it, the way that he kind of, you know, is just like, it's it just the, that sense of like foreboding. It's not even foreshadowing. It's just telling them like they're coming um, and you're, you're all dead basically. Yeah. And then you see how the characters react to this. They're like, is, is he, is he just crazy or is he, is there something going to happen? Um, yeah. I think, um, I think his, his character is, his character is very well played and, and really integral to the, to the story, I think, to giving you to just amping up the tension. Definitely. I agree. I think Ben Foster does play a very key part. And again, he's not seen enough in this film. But I suppose given the what his character is supposed to do in service, you couldn't really have him in the film for too much. Otherwise, you just have a lot of exposition where Ben Foster's explaining everything. So I'm really glad that they made him a little bit nuts because it gave you a believable reason as to why he wasn't telling them everything that he knew. Mm. And he was, you're right, he's just, he's just, foreboding is like these guys are coming they're going to kill you and that's kind of all you get from him um which which is great i i love it now for me this was 2007 when when i first saw it i was one of the few who went to the cinema to see it it's, it's and it's only got a 30 million dollar uh, dollar budget i say only only 30 million dollars I'd, I'd love 30 million dollars but for for as we've said before for a film 30 million dollars is is not very big even back in 2007 money that's not a huge budget I mean, what you got to imagine is that the following year, Iron Man was released, um, and then budgets just kind of went out the window after the success of that. So, yeah, low budget in a town, and it, it's a concept movie. How are you going to survive a vampire apocalypse for 30 days? Because there's no sunlight for 30 days. So this is more of a survival horror than it is a vampire film. And I love that they went that take on it because I think the vampire trope is played out. I haven't seen a vampire film that I've enjoyed for many, many years. Um, I think, again, Twilight has a little bit to do with that, but I think it gets dogged on a little bit because teen movies are largely yeah. not that great. Um, it's, it's, a side, it's a side point, but I'm not a fan of Twilight, but I respect that without Twilight, you wouldn't have Hunger Games and, you know, and other things that are the same. Fair enough. It opened the door for some some other really good things within that genre. But that's a yeah sidebar. Back yeah. On no, to, I, th yeah. I think I think you make a valid point. I think that's a great point there. Um, and it, it's kind of burnt out now. But for me, I this film has. I don't want to go into issues straight away, but there was something that when I was watching it, it, it just stood out really blatantly this film is is what two hours long it has serious pacing issues like the, from when you meet the characters to the first death to the second death to the third death that feels like 15 minutes it's like mm -hmm. okay here are your characters there's this big bad that we've not seen yet but three or four characters were already dead now bearing in mind that we have a whole town to play with three dead characters is not a big deal 
And so, you know, within the first half an hour, all this chaos has erupted. And then the film really slows down. Um, and and yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or what the thinking behind that was. But for me, it kind of felt like it should have been in reverse. Like, right, let's build up to this. But no, it's like, bang, you're straight in there. Then it grinds to a halt. And I think that's why a lot of people had issue accessing it because it, it really slowed. I, I agree. I think that there may be some of the challenge, and there's certainly points in it where, as you, as you get further into it, when I was like, how have they not found them? Like, literally, they're all in this one building. Like, it's not a massive town. We've established that. Um, and maybe in my head, I was just trying to like map out the geography of, you know, where are they right now that the vampires can't find them? Maybe they're just toying with them. But then I think that, you know, one of the probably the most effective scenes is like that kind of like overhead cam shot of like people running down the street and the vampires like mobbing them and jumping on them. And I'd say it's not, there's some jump scares. I don't think it's a super scary movie. Um, but, but it is menacing that whole thing of like seeing this like pack of predators go like, go go through this town, but then you also then feel like oh, goodness that what did they just take a break and you know like you say just so that we could chill out for a bit and and uh, and yeah I think it does kind of um, drag to a certain extent I guess you maybe what they were going for was let's build the tension by you know having showing what can happen and what the the, the stakes are um no pun intended um and but then yeah it kind of feels like they've just kind of like switched the dial off and that's just it's just i i think you're right i think it does and again maybe re-watching it is more apparent because the first time you're watching it, you're maybe more on the edge of your seat to see how is this going to play out. But it's almost like once you've seen it once, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, oh come on, let's just get to the let's get to the vampires. Come on. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The first time I watched it, I don't think I noticed the pacing problem. Um, it, it's hard to remember back in 2007, <laughs> but um, I, I do remember the first time around, I really enjoyed it. And, and the pacing wasn't an issue for me. I, I I love that you talk about the the over um, the overshot where it pans over the town and it's just total carnage. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. They do a similar thing in two thousand and four, um, where they they go above the city and you can see cars crashing into each other and people and zombies, um, and it just it felt like a not a callback to that because I don't think that was the intention, but it, it was basically the same device that they were using and it was really effective to show what was going on. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved seeing this carnage on mass. Um, now, obviously, this is this is rated eighteen, isn't it? This is a gory, gory film. This doesn't really pull many punches. Mm. Pulls a couple. There are a couple of deaths where it pulls away and doesn't show you. But then they make the decision to show other things. So I wasn't really sure again what the, well, I suppose what the logic was behind that. Is that why show certain things and not others? Why not just show everything if you're going to do that? Yeah, and you're right. There are, and I guess it's maybe some of the, it's more of the menace and the intention to, I don't know. Some of the some of the deaths are clearly played out and show that again that whole kind of like animal thing that these are, the they're not the vampires aren't feeding for um, for sustenance. This is sport. This is like the the fox getting into the um, the, the chicken coop or whatever. 
and um it's um and I, I there are a couple of scenes certainly where that is really played out and there it's not just that they're feeding on the 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 blood of their victims it's the fear and the the savoring that um extinguishing of life without being too pretentious with it um yeah so i think yeah i i i'm i'm struggling to think of um sort of particular kind of scenes where maybe it's a bit desensitized to me but i, I think there's a certainly one death scene in particular that's very much played out um like that i guess yeah and to your point you you do see a lot and i guess it's a bit like sin city there are three colors in this movie or maybe there maybe more in sin city but pretty much in this there's there's black there's white and there's red mm-hmm. um for the majority and um and you see a fair bit of uh, yeah red lots of dismembered and gouged and gory yeah decapitations and all that and i i like how they play with uh uv as well like y- y- you're waiting for it in every single vampire film. We know, unless you're Twilight, that vampires can't be in the daylights. Um, but they only do that once because they have no choice. Mm. And I thought that was a really smart decision to not use that as the thing that saves them. Um, because that's, that's, I suppose, the whole premise of the film. It's nighttime for 30 days. And as soon as they discover that UV has an effect on them, they're able to play that trope once. They're able to kill one vampire and then the vampires cut the power off. And that's that's all you see yeah. of UV as a defense throughout the whole film. And I was like, yes, now I know that you are not going to give your characters an easy get out of jail free card. Hey, everybody, it's UV. Let's just mm. stay here. It's like, it's not going to be that easy. And, I, and, and the film constantly does that. It's like, you, you cannot defeat these vampires in hand-to-hand because well, they, they have massive teeth, um, which, again, away from your classic design, their teeth are, all of them, seriously sharp um, as opposed to just two fangs. Nothing about these vampires are typical, which I loved. And obviously, you, you get into hand-to-hand combat with these things. They're stronger than you, they're faster than you, and their fingernails are basically claws that will tear you apart you certainly get the feel that they are the apex predator human beings are nothing more than food to them and they're playing with their food and i loved that and i think as well the they do well with kind of adding in some of um some other kind of elements of uh stress and tension and conflict like the idea that i know it's a simple thing but it's that josh hardness character needs to use an inhaler um to uh um and 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 that obviously comes into it that he needs he, that there's a very clear flaw so to speak or i'm thinking i'm sure the office there's a, a great quote where one of the characters says, you put down your weakness asthma <laughs> or something no but daniel i can't is anyway um there's andy when and, you and, and loves the office yeah and um i think as well the father character uh, one of the character's fathers who is clearly has Alzheimer's or or something along those lines and and then obviously can he's not kind of able to comprehend the risk and the danger of walking out of the building and going out into the street and and it just um I guess it plays out all these things in day-to-day life that don't seem to be a massive problem until you're put in a high stress situation and then suddenly that's going to be you know uh really a, a challenge so i like the way that they added in those elements and that they played them um quite well 
Um, but then also there's those contrived bits as well where, you know, they have the giant grinding machine that you can throw a vampire into at some point. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, I'm going to um, buck the trend on this one because I'm going to say I don't want to do a spoiler for the ending. I oh, want to I want to leave the the ending unspoiled. All I'm going to say is I like the way this movie ends and my wife does not like the way this movie really? ends. Really? Okay. Yeah, we have a very a difference of opinion on um on I, I won't I'm not going to get into any more specifics, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it will be one that I'd be yeah, almost worth watching just to come out the other end and go nah that's not good or you know, go no 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 that that's right that's how it should end cool. in which case I won't, I won't spoil the ending either um all i will say is it it does buck trends and i appreciated how they ended this film um and i think i felt that way back in 2007 when i first watched it when we got to the end i was like okay all right yeah yeah okay I, i'm on board with this I, I see where that's gone and so yeah i think i'm with you in the camp of i liked how this ended um and i, I would i would say you know if, if you're intrigued by your vampire films go watch it anyway uh, if you haven't seen it you are missing out on a on a good vampire film um so yeah i'm, I'm right there with you on the ending for that hmm. i'm trying to think um and i know you've rewatched it more recently than me but I know we like to think about obviously sound and, and music in there. I, I'm thinking this is a fairly light on the music. Um, it's more just the sort of the, the, the sounds of the, the, probably the thing that sticks out to me is the vampire uh, sort of language and just the screech of the, their kind of like their, their, their scream almost. It's, um, it is really animalistic. Um, if mm. you've recently watched the trailer for um, the new Zack Snyder zombie film, then it, it's a similar shriek to what the zombies have in there. Very primal, very animalistic. And then it's kind of almost complemented by this, language and i don't know if it's an actual language or whether it's made up for the film i didn't do my research there but it feels like an old dead language um i, I love I those two side is, by side it, it, i think it is um based on an eastern european language i can i'm sure i saw it in some trivia um so i think there is kind of a, a uh, that that sort of kind of like guttural hard sounds um uh, does come from somewhere um as opposed to being purely fictitious mm. um yeah and i guess yeah music wise i think it's probably just maybe more percussive more kind of like a soundscape as opposed to anything that stands out i don't have a critique for that i don't think it massively is super memorable soundtrack but it works for what it's needed yeah and i think sometimes the the lack of music and the lack of um, well, I, I was going to say the lack of sound, but I think the sound in itself, the sound design is done really well um, with the snowstorms and the whiteouts and the, the languages. So I think, I think sound is, is top notch. Um, but for the music, you, you can overplay music sometimes. And I think that they only use music when they feel that it will enhance a scene as opposed to get a scene going 
Um, like you, you might see in your action films, you'll hear music all the time because it it gets the scene going and it pumps it up. You don't need that here. And so they don't use music very much. It is used very sparingly mm. and it's in the background. Um, and I appreciated that because it didn't take away from what I was watching. Um, it only enhanced certain parts of the film as opposed to, I suppose, yeah, you run the risk of it. It's not very memorable. I couldn't really hum the tune or, or, or say anything much about it, but it certainly enhanced scenes um, as opposed to anything else. And it really added to the claustrophobic feel of this really small town. And you can't go outside for too long. You'll freeze to death. You can't go outside for too long because the vampires will see you and they will kill you. Um, so this, this film has a massive feeling of claustrophobia. Uh, and I think the music goes a long way to helping with that. Absolutely. Mm. Cool. Well, I don't know. I, I, the only, I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention, I know we've mentioned kind of actors um, and I guess it's probably, probably good to say Josh Hartnett, what was your thoughts? I mean, for me, solid leading kind of uh, lead actor. I, I kind of see him as someone that very much was in kind of like the rom-com sort of uh, camp of, of, of movies um, for, for quite a while. That was kind of his, um, his bread and butter. Um, and I think he, I, personally, I think he does a good job of kind of taking that lead role. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the performance of a lifetime. Um, I think he's probably a bit overshadowed with, like you say, the Ben Foster and um, Danny Houston. Um, but still, I think he does a good job. Yeah, I thought that he it was great for him at this time. You're right. Um, he is very much known for his rom-coms, or at least he was back around this time. And so for him to come out and make a rated 18 horror film about vampires, um, and he did a bloody good job on it as well. I really enjoyed watching him in this type of role, and I wish that he would do more stuff like it. Um, I think he's one of those actors who doesn't like the limelight so much. And so he just kind of makes films for him, whether it be a big blockbuster or a small indie film, he, he does it for himself as opposed to a paycheck. And I can appreciate that. The one thing I will say about now that we're talking about actors and, and whatnot is um, Melissa George. I was, I thought Melissa George gave a solid performance with what she was given, but I don't think she was given too much. I, I don't think that she was given mm. enough, quite frankly, and again, I think it's more of an issue these days in 2021 than it was in 2007. I don't remember the political climate so much surrounding these topics, but I got the distinct impression that her character was there only as a form of motivation for Josh Hartnett, uh, especially kind of nearing the end of the film. I felt that she was really underserved and I would love to have seen her do something more in this film. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I was thinking the same thing. I think, um, I don't think, certainly from what I've seen in this movie, I wouldn't say oh, that she's, you know, a weak link in terms of her acting performance. Um, but yeah, the character is, a, is kind of a, a little bit two-dimensional. Um, it does feel like, yeah, just, just there so that we can have that kind of interpersonal drama between her character and, and Josh Harner's character. Um, and yeah, you know, it works for the story, but like you say, um, when you, if you took her out of it, if you took that relationship element out of it, you probably wouldn't miss too much, no. uh, which is probably more of an indictment upon the writers than it is upon anyone else. Absolutely. Cause I don't think anybody gave a bad performance in this film. 
Um, so it's certainly not an indictment on her on her performance. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you know the writers just didn't give her enough to do, which is in a two-hour film these days, that's absolutely disgraceful. I said, how do you have a two-hour film and nothing to do in it? Um, but yeah. again, I think that it it talks to the pacing issues that this film very clearly has. Um, and we've said it before, so I won't labor the point, but it starts incredibly quickly and boom, you're right there. You're in danger, people are dying. And then it just grinds to a halt until you get near the end again. Um, and, and I think that grind is unfortunately a good hour, hour and 15 minutes long. That's the issue with this film. But if you're, if you're, I don't know, I suppose if you're bought into the characters, you won't notice it. And I know that I didn't notice it the first time around. Okay, cool. So, Sam, unless you want to say any more about the movie, should we go on to final thoughts and recommendations? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. Well, I'll go first um, this time because for our last shorter episode, I think you went first. So, for me, um, I thought the, the different take on a vampire film was absolutely fantastic. It's probably the vampire film that I had the most fun with since the very first Blade um third again second blade good third blade terrible but it was one of those that pleasantly surprised me even when i saw it back in 2007 it plays about the vampire tropes but it doesn't use it to a point where they overdo it um i thought that the acting was absolutely fantastic from all of the characters or excuse me all of the actors even if they didn't have too much to do um but i think Unfortunately, it has it has really big pacing issues. And if you're a busy parent, and you can already tell where this is going, if you're a busy parent and you've got a spare two hours, first off, well done to you. Um, but secondly, would I watch this? I probably would have to say no, I wouldn't recommend. Even though I had a, a good time with it, I am also known for being able to sit down and watch literally anything. Um, I mean, I watched jiu-jitsu earlier, and maybe we'll do that sometime. But um, hmm. yeah, the one with Nicolas Cage. But I, I would be concerned that you would be bored and feel that you've wasted your time because for me, that that hour, hour and 15, where it grinds to a halt, that's a really big sticking problem for me. And this is coming from somebody who is a big horror fan and really enjoys his gory movies. And I loved the take on it. This is a survival horror with vampires. This is not a vampire film. Um, and I absolutely love the concept, but I, I couldn't recommend it to a busy parent if they've got a spare two hours. I think that there are shorter, much more tidy and and well done productions out there that you probably enjoy a bit more than this one. Um, so it's going to be a not recommend from me, even though I enjoyed the film. So that's my caveat, I suppose. <laughs> So I'm going to say, I'm going to say I am going to recommend. I think you've got a fair point there, Damien. I think uh, there are um, some issues with the pacing um, and that might have a, a uh, I don't know, that, that could have a fairly a negative impact on someone's experience. I guess if we're, if someone's taking this as a recommendation of having never seen this movie before, I, I don't know whether it will be as apparent um, yeah, I again, I'm not someone that really goes to this genre too often. Um, so for me to have a a kind of a, a positive experience, it does stand out um, uh, for me um, because of the you know the the visuals, the cast, the just the approach, the concept of the movie, and how they deliver it. So I am going to say I would recommend it. 
I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm glad one of us did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, again, massive caveat here. Uh, I I did really really enjoy it both times around. I think this is the first time I've seen it in well, probably since somewhere around like 2012, something like that. Um, and I still enjoyed it now. But it's it's long and it's got some serious issues with pacing. Um, cool. So I next episodes. Fingers crossed, if all four of us together will be heat, uh, which would be fantastic. Now, what Sam and I have decided to do, and again, this is not exclusively to Sam and I, it might be Sam and Matt one week, or it might be Matt and Andy one week. Um, we've decided that if for some reason the four of us aren't together, then we're going to get together in pairs, make slightly shorter episodes, um, and pick a few films in between the bigger episodes with the four of us, especially if we miss a Tuesday, which is normally our um, recording time. So you'll probably hear a lot more of these kind of like duos and pair offs during the, uh, during the course of the upcoming months. Cause you know, COVID is, is not ending, but we're coming out of lockdown. We're all busy parents. We're all either employed or run businesses. So we're all extremely busy. Um, so I reckon there'll be quite a few more of these episodes and I thoroughly enjoyed the last two, quite frankly. So Sam, thank you for that. I appreciate it. If you would like no to worries. find out, if you'd like to find out more about where we are, we are predominantly on Facebook when it comes to social media. Again, we've got Twitter and Instagram and stuff, but we're not on there an awful lot. Um, and if you want to find where you can listen, we are on Anchor and Spotify, also iTunes, and pretty much anywhere that you can download your podcasts. So other than that, I will say a good evening, a good night from me and Sam. Farewell. Bye for now. <laughs>